Hey everyone, welcome back. We're so glad to have you. And today we have a special guest who is a new friend and connection for us. And she is going to talk to us about her her passion and her the invitation that she gives to people to have a, a life that is more um, slow down, which for us, this is one of our pillars of healing, um, Flourish Therapy's five pillars of healing. Slowing down is the fourth pillar. And when we saw her work, we were just excited that um, there's other people that really see the value in this and uh, help ushers other usher other people into this beautiful way of living. So we're going to introduce um, Jody to you, Jody Grubbs. She is a slow living advocate and lover of deep conversations over coffee, which we are across the world today. We're not having coffee together, but it's kind of like that. Uh, she lives outside Raleigh, North Carolina. And she shares a 1952 bungalow with her husband and her teenage daughter. She's a former island girl, and she's passionate about coming alongside women who long for that shift into slower living. She's a writer and a host of her own podcast, Our Island in the City. She loves having conversations with her guests about slowing down, faith, ordinary soul care, and deep community. She has a book that's coming out with IV Press, InterVarsity Press in 2024 that she's currently working on. And we're so glad to have her here with us today. So welcome, Jody. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you, Luke. I'm so glad to be here on your podcast today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, just as like Lauren was just reading that um, biography, it's just something popped out at me. It was like working alongside women long to shift. I think that's so important because women are just expected to be kind of like superhuman and like they don't need to slow down. They can juggle everything and take care of everybody and do everything and and they should be able to do that. And if they can't, then there's something wrong with them. Like mm -hmm. it, there's like that expectation. So I love the intentionality of helping women slow down. Mm -hmm loving women in that spe specific, special, unique way to invite them to sit in, in who they are. So I'm excited <laughs> to hear what you have to say. And I just wanted to share that. Of That's so cool. Thank you, Luke. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, my heart is just for um, primarily women to, to see that so I feel like I can give women permission to slow down and the invitation to stay there. And then through working with them, they sort of have that aha moment. Oh, I didn't really need permission in the first place. Right. Yeah. right. Wow. That's powerful. That it's is. like a pseudo permission. Like I'm giving you permission here, but you're going to soon find out that you've had it all along. That's Absolutely. So powerful. Mm -hmm. um, well, we appreciate your graciousness with us today because we had a, a morning of <laughs> where we did not embody this Slowing way down. of living so well. We we thought we got our time wrong. Um, I had told Jody a certain time. I had written it online for us, but then in my phone, I put the wrong time. So Luke was just falling off of the time I put in the phone, but it's totally my fault. So we were late and Jody was just like, it's all right. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll jump on later. So I was just pretending we were on island time, Laura. Exactly. 
And and really, it is Thailand time too. We call it Thai time. It's like let's meet at eight, eight thirty, eight forty-five, whenever. Right. I always joke with people when they say, "Well, um, what was your childhood like?" And I, I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I'll just throw this out as a little nugget. So my mom would drop me off at a birthday party if the invite said, um, you know, two to four or mm -hmm. say four to six. And my mom was very punctual. And so I would get there at 3.59 and I'd be the only child there for a good hour. Oh, and, wow. oh no. <laughs> pick me up. Um, I didn't want to go because the party was just, just getting us. <laughs> that's a great example oh you cultural differences with time so significant yes yes wow well we'd love to hear more about your story if you'd we'd love to spend this beginning part of the podcast just getting to know you more letting our listeners get to know your story more so yeah we just welcome you to open on up okay well thank you um my story, you know, it's all I know, right? It's my mm -hmm. life, but it, it does um, come across a little more unique because I've lived in two different cultures. And mm -hmm. so um, when you live in a different culture, you don't know any different. Um, so I was born on the island of Bonaire. It's in the West Indies, which is the southern part of the Caribbean. So we were an island called Bonaire next to Aruba. It's about 80 miles north of Caracas, Venezuela. So just to give you an idea of where it is, 80 degrees every day, trade winds, um, a little, wow. little bit of a desert island, um, not as lush maybe as Aruba, very, very small, 13,000 people live there, mm. 24 by seven. And yeah, I lived there for 16 years. So my parents put me in a Dutch school when I was four on the island, that the island was owned by Queen Beatrix of Holland. And so... My, um, my classmates and I learned Dutch, but at home I spoke English. My parents are American. And then playing with the children and all my friends um, in the afternoons, they spoke an island dialect called Papiamento, which is a combination of English, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, and Afrikaans. And so wow. as a child, <laughs> Yes, my one of my mother's friends actually came up with the first dictionary for these islands. So um, we would just stand around as kids and all throw in different languages until we understood each other. And, you know, within a year or two, we were all speaking all three languages. So I don't remember a lot as an adult. As you can tell, I have a southern accent. I live in early North Carolina. And um, yeah, I've just but I. I do remember some of the language. And hmm. so um, anyway, I had uh, just a really quiet childhood. As you can imagine just having a, a backyard that you walk out and you see the, the reef in the Caribbean. So you can see down 60 feet, um, it's pristine, comes in second place to Australia for scuba diving. It's just the most beautiful island and people. And we moved to the United States when I was 16 to New Jersey. So it's a little bit of a culture shock for me. A little colder too. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> wow. I had already experienced snow though because my relatives thought it was pretty funny when I was about seven. I saw snow for the first time on a vacation to the U.S. and I ran out there barefoot, and oh. they're like, "Oh, 
what is she doing? My parents are like, it's okay. She goes barefoot out. She'll, she'll figure it out. And then I came running right back in. So (laughs) (laughs) yes. Um, But all that to say, I I had a very, um, just a beautiful childhood just Mm. with uh, international friends and um, just a a beautiful um, experience on the Island. So, Mm. um, and a lot of that shifted. I, I came to the U.S. and I finished up school here and went to college and I moved to Atlanta and I um, fell in love. I got married to a Southern boy and he was in a really bad accident. So he ended up, um, he and his father were driving a work truck and came around a big corner on I-85 in Atlanta. And if you know anything about that part of the the U.S. You have to keep going really, really fast on on the highway. And they came around a really big bend and there was some road rage going on that they, of course, couldn't see coming up ahead. And so um, Brian was his name. He um, and his dad went under a semi truck um, Mm. that was in the way, trying to get after some some people and some, some not nice things were done. And So um, his dad had a broken nose, but Brian was crushed under the semi-truck. And so he should have passed away and and he didn't. He lived um, for two and a half years and he was in a hospital for nine months. (laughs) So our lives really came to an end about almost 2 million in medical expenses, 33 surgeries and not anything I would wish on on anybody ever, just the the pain he went through. Four months were in a shock trauma ICU. So Hmm. um, our lives slowed down significantly. Hmm. And um, yeah, everything stopped. And so he made a full, um, I would say 99% recovery. And then he uh, passed away one morning from complications from something from a a previous, one of his 33 surgeries. Mm. And so he died with me, just um, went about a minute. So yeah, sort of starting out a beautiful childhood and some people go through a very difficult childhood and sort of emerge as an adult and mine slipped a little bit. So I know it's a quick synopsis of (laughs) Mm-hmm. My, my life but wow thank you yeah. for sharing that you're welcome um it's hard to shift after that but i just want to respect it that story yeah. um so thank you for sharing it and that's there's like as like a layered tragedy of the accident and then getting better and then all of a sudden um that quick loss <clears throat> it's, I can, again, as you mentioned, as you're talking about your childhood, I just feel like this peace going over me, like, oh my gosh, I just feel like slowing down and resting. And so I hear that um, foundation of slowing down and then like a, a different way, of, a different invitation than was given to you of, you have to slow down. Um, it's not just nice and part of your life. It's you have to. And I think it's interesting that I think that that's how we get invited to slowing down. It's either 
an gentle, a gentle invitation to it or a abrupt invitation to it. Mm -hmm. um, and I see why you're passionate about slowing down because you can relate to both invitations. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. The hardest one is when slowing down is chosen for us. Yeah, exactly. Say, I'm going to take a month, I'm going to be on sabbatical, or I'm going to jump into the slow living lifestyle. But it's right. very hard when it's chosen for you, whether it's an illness or, you know, a job loss, or it really any, any, anything yeah. you can imagine. So. Yeah, you know, this wasn't, um, I, I hadn't planned on asking this question. But if you're, if you're okay with answering, exploring it for a minute. Um, we just work with a lot of people who have gone through really hard grief. Um, and, you know, in that place, people, it's just so normal to imagine never being able to recover from something so catastrophic. And I'm just thinking of your story and how you must have helped to nurse back your your husband to life and how incredibly hard that must have been. And then after all of that for him to pass. And I'm I imagine you hit a pretty low place. And I'm just curious how like did you think you were ever gonna be able to take hold of life again? Um I would just love to hear what that looked like for you. Sure, Lauren. So someone was asking me this the other day and mm -hmm. I said, you know, when someone passes, we are more in shock in the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, this was like a double tragedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, honestly, the time from his accident un until right before he passed, those were the hardest times. So he had almost died four times during that time. And oh. I think I had almost been prepared not, not that either of us knew he was gonna pass but right. I had been through so much trauma that when he did pass it it would be a, you know it wasn't the same feeling as if he had passed the day of the accident mm -hmm. um, so I it was extremely hard because we were just starting a brand new life basically um but the hard part, which I had to actually go to therapy for later, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, was the trauma that we both went through. And I have a lot of PTSD from when you watch a loved one go through and there's nothing that you can do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I, I became an advocate for him in the hospital and his, um, thankfully my mother-in-law, um, was a nurse. And so, mm -hmm. She was really able to speak up and not at that hospital. She was a, a nurse at a different hospital, but she was really with us. And so when I call myself a slow living advocate, part of it is, yes, I want to come alongside of, of women and say, you can slow down if you want to. I'll walk with you. Hmm. But I also just have the advocate in the back of my mind for having to stand up for him. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of what he needed. So wow. all that to say, I'm. I don't know if I answered your question, Lauren, but I, I had a friend say to me, oh, I, I just, you're just so strong. If, if this had happened to me, I would just die. I'm like, we don't sometimes get that luxury of just, we are left and we are living and we have to keep living. And 
um, I, you know, I wanted to say, no, you, you won't die. <laughs> you might want to sometimes, but um, you, you won't, you'll find your way again. And so yeah. I think all of us are helping each other find our way again. Um, we're walking each other home, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. That's, yeah, it sounds like you were a sense of gr lose, grieving the loss of him for what would you say, two and a half years? Yes, he lived for two and a half years after uh, that accident. So, so there was a lots of grieving, like, oh, I'm going to lose him. Oh, I didn't. I might lose him. Oh, and so there's that. Mm. So it wasn't, like you said, that if the day that it happened, if he died, that would have been a shock. But two and a half years of medical trauma med mm. and all of that process. Right. You were in the midst of that grief that whole time. And um or at least he he being so familiar with yeah. the depths of grief going down and then up and then down to the depths so many times. Um we can we can at least imagine what you're saying, how um the double grief the double sure. the double tragedy had a yep. different feel than if it was that one day it's just yeah how our journeys play out are bring the complex layers to our story and to our traumas and you had yeah. gained so many more traumas mm -hmm. because because he was a fighter mm -hmm. ironically yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. He, um, and this is right before I met him, I, I didn't ever get to see this play out, but he was the, um, yeah, the second degree black belt in Taekwondo. And oh, wow. so, <laughs> you know, when that happens, you know, someone is not just physically strong, they're mentally strong. Yeah. And so a lot of people said, I don't, I don't think most people would have lived through what he did. Um, so yeah. you couple in his faith in God, which is actually a very new faith for him mm -hmm. and then his physical strength and then the mental strength. So, wow. Yeah. That's a fascinating perspective of bringing those three together. Um, wow. And we had lots of community. I have to say mm -hmm. maybe to answer, yeah, to finish answering your question, Lauren, we, what got me through is, um, my faith in God, but I didn't even know sometimes what to think or feel, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I, pat answers were not going to help me. And so I had to just walk through it. And so I will say the people that got put in my path, um, the community, and it changed over, over time when he died, I needed to just move away. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. I came back to Raleigh to where my family had settled and that's where I met Dean, my my husband that I am have been married to for 21 years. Yep. Wow. Wow. Well, we would Beautiful. love to hear um, kind of the second half of your story of of those years of restoration and healing and and kind of this the second part and how you became um, how you started doing this this work. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So. I have always had to move at a little bit slower pace than, than people. Um, I've always struggled with belonging. Where do I belong in the world? 
yeah. you know, who, who am I? <laughs> um, I don't think you just have to be necessarily a third culture kid or person, you know, to experience that. Yeah. But it does complicate but, things a little bit. <laughs> it does. It does. Right. So, um, every, and every once in a while, I'll tell my husband, Dean, like, I'm just, I'm homesick, you know, mm. for the island because those yep. were my formative years. Right. And um, so I think one day my, our daughter was, I don't, she was three or four. And I found myself in this season of being a young mom or a, um, yeah, a mom with a young child and just trying to do everything, you know, like running the roads, like going to you know, field trips and play dates and everything you can imagine. And <laughs> I couldn't keep up. My body started getting sick. And so for three or four um, autumns in a row, I would get bronchitis, strep pneumonia, <laughs> just get really, really sick. And yeah. my, my doctor told my husband one time, I almost admitted her to the hospital. She was so sick. And so one day she sat down with me and she said, you know, you can get a pneumonia shot. That'll last you eight years. She's like, but you have to slow down and mm. you're volunteering too much. You're doing too much. That's the problem. Mm. And I thought, oh, like I should know this. <laughs> and in my book, I talk about that. Yes, I will guide you. But part of it's like, don't do what I did. I I should have even known better. I, I had this whole framework and foundation for slow living and I got mm. caught up a little bit in the culture here and what I thought everyone was doing and keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that's when I had to completely shift and say, okay, I've got to go back to this island mindset, um, you know, slowing down, taking more time, being fully present where I'm at, whether it's with my daughter or with a friend, um, an activity, uh, just being fully there mm -hmm. and then also building community again. Mm -hmm. um, so just going back to some of the, I, I call it more soul care than self-care. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I always think a lot of people just, they don't want another glass of wine and a bubble bath. Like that, that's, they're like, I, I can do that, but right what I really want is to slow down enough to live the way I really want to live and not mm -hmm. the way I think everyone is expecting me to live. So yep. I had to shift that myself so that I could be there for my daughter and mm -hmm. um, different activities that, that we had and just my, the life that I wanted with my husband and daughter. So in a nutshell, yeah, that was the shift where I started talking to other women and um, just found myself encouraging them. Oh, you don't have to do this. Like no one's saying you have to move this fast, you know? Um, so in my, in my book, I sort of help us deconstruct the lies, some of the lies we've believed um, about having to go fast. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I believe it's in, I believe it's in China right now. There's a um, a phrase called lying flat and it refers to slow living so many of the youth there are sort of rebelling against this whole uh, you know hardcore schooling and work and they're saying we can't do this it's killing us and so it's not just in the Caribbean or a little bit of the U.S. certain pockets it's a lot of people are realizing I have a very full deep life that I'm not living because I'm not slowing down mm -hmm. to make that happen. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
in one of our teachings, we talk about, there's also a, a Japanese word that says, it's called, it means um, death from overworking. Oh, and wow. so it, it became a phenomenon that they were working themselves to death. And they came up with a word like, this is what is going on here. And so like, you're right there. It's a, it can be a human problem of overworking to perform, to find identity, to uh, purpose. Um, uh, there's, I was, I had to pause my, mute myself because I was, as you were talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like six notes I have to write down and my brain's not going to hold them all. Right. Um, I, I already lost one before I got to, to writing the note. Um, <laughs> but I was just thinking as you were talking, I'm like, man, I can't wait for your book to come out. I could just listen to you tell stories like all day. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so, I'm just like, this is, just listen to you talk about life and your life and explaining life. And I'm just like, I'm going to write, I'm, I, I need to get your book. You need to hurry up and get that. IVP needs to hurry up and get your book published because. Um, hurry up and slow down. Right. Hurry, hurry up, <laughs> they, can, they can hurry up so I can slow down. <laughs> Exactly. I've had people say that, can you get your book out a little faster? <laughs> well, it'll come out when it comes out. It'll be That's the right, right time. I'm That's fasting. right. That's right. Um, and the other thing, it was just fascinating because you're like, why did I get caught up in this American culture of speeding up? And I think that is one of the tricky things with TCKs, third culture kids is in order to fit into a culture, they have to figure out how that culture works. And you, in your developmental years, you're like, okay, I know how to fit in here. So you were like, an adaptation for you is figuring out what works in this culture. Right. And then you come to America and it's not like, this is my culture, Caribbeans is my culture. It's, I adapted to that culture. So now how do I adapt to this culture? Mm -hmm. And it's that idea of like, where is home? How do I fit in? Where's my, and that's the tricky thing with TCKs is, nothing is home. So I have to create here to be home. And so I hear that fascinating kind of story in yours of like, this is a counter my, my development to years, but yeah, I'm doing whatever else is done doing around me. And that exactly. was, that it was basically what you were taught to do is figure out how to fit in what's expected of you. And in that culture, what was expected of you is to slow down. But what's expected of you in this culture is speed up. Right. And, right. and so just this, this, that compassion for what a wise, intuitive person you are to adapt to where you're at. Yeah. And then to realize, oh, wow, this isn't working. Right. This isn't actually what I want for my life and my mm -hmm. body. Now we do a lot of mind body work and the body tells us so much. If we listen. Um, yes, about our pace, about our posture, it, it will communicate back these big abstract truths about how we're engaging in the world. Um, but a lot of people don't don't see it. And so they just continue on. And, you know, you your immune system was suppressed by the stress you were under. And if the, you had continued that for years and years and years, it could have manifested even larger than infections. It could mm -hmm. have been immune diseases or cancers or other things because 
the body tends to progressively, you know, break down further if we don't heed its message. And so you mm-hmm. listened and mm-hmm. I want to honor that too, because exactly. it's hard to listen sometimes when we feel like you felt like that was what you needed to do to be a good mom, right? And right. To do things. Yep. Yeah. You just want to be, everyone wants to be seen and heard mm-hmm. and accepted. And so you find yourself just doing what everyone else is doing. And then you're, one day you're like, wait a minute, is that even me? Is that right. even who I am? Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yep. And, and it's just, again, your, our stories have so much to pl- to tell about why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. such intuitiveness of you to be able to reflect and like, wait, let me slow down and figure out if this is really what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you even said, like, yes, our bodies kind of quote unquote break down, but they're not breaking down. Like, right. what I like to say is they're alarms to try to get our attention. And just saying, hey, you're going too fast, let's slow down. Okay, you need to be sick so you can slow down. Let's just try a little bit of sickness. Then it's like, okay, you're not listening to that. Let's up it a little bit. Um, there's a, a book called um, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate, and it talks about that process of your body will invite you to slow down. And then it gets louder and louder and louder. Um, and if we're able to attune to it and listen to it, it's like, it doesn't have to get to that where they're screaming at you and saying, you can't do anything, but it's like, if we can listen to it when it's, we're just frequently sick. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and sometimes it does take time. So I don't mm-hmm. want it to seem like, oh, it was three months. No, this was oh, absolutely. Right, several, you know, years of years. finally yeah coming to that understanding and Mm -hmm. i you know and we did have to make some hard decisions we decided a few years ago to completely downsize the house we were in um so yeah that's why right now we live in a revitalized area a real diverse area off main street and our little 1952 bungalow (laughs) and we feel like it's our little island in the city so my Mm. husband is really the one that came up with that slogan and then I'm like that's going to be the name for my podcast yeah the trees we have they're humongous and um we found out two houses down it's the second oldest um, house in our city and so it was built in 1870 so these trees are probably 120 years old there's about six of them and so it's just really nice to have this little old street it's canopied so it's not the it's not the Caribbean but sometimes you find yourself duplicating things yeah. you loved about a slower life in a different way yeah. right mm, so, I love that yeah I love that the invitation the reality that you bring to have an island in the city it's not like only those people that go into an island who vacation uh, all year long yeah can, can retire at 25 and just go do whatever they want those are the ones that get have the good life but it's like no we all have the opportunity to embrace the slowness of life even if we're in a city even yeah. if we're in the doggy dog world it's we have a choice to have our little island and find mm-hmm. our safe place um i love that invitation so what what are the barriers? You said the you kind of start deconstructing some of these myths in your book. What um, what are some of those? Yeah, so I 
I think that, and it may just be because I'm part island girl, part you know American. I had a dual citizenship till I was twelve, so oh, it's God. just one of these things. Um, in in my mind, I would say to answer that question, I I feel like we have to just stop and um, almost like take inventory of our identity. So if we don't know who we really are, we're just going to follow what we see in society. Um, and sometimes we just can't help it. It's just like one foot in front of the other. I've just got to yeah. do life. Right. Um, but there's this idea that, uh, especially in, you know, like you were mentioning in the beginning, like that women um, have to be all, you know, superwoman. And we can't, there's so many um, different layers to who we are. So you yeah. might have someone who's a, a type A, just go, 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 go. And you might look at them and say, oh, I wish I had that energy. But there are times that they might not have something else like the empathy or the presence, you know, with somebody. So they might have yeah. energy. Um, so it's, we don't have to compare ourselves to others as much mm. as just figuring out who am I and what does that look like? So I have a section in my book that even breaks it down more. It's like, um, you know, you're, you're not crazy for wanting to slow down. Like this is a real desire, a real longing somewhere deep inside of you. And so you need to pay attention to that. Mm. Um, and it might come for different people at different different ages or different seasons of life yeah. but it's really important to just say um what yeah like you were saying what is my body trying to tell me what <laughs> what am I listening to and who am I versus well, I don't know any different this is just what I have to do we, we all have the ability and then you know I want people to feel empowered to to stop and say wait a minute there's so much in life I want to do half the things I'm saying yes to are really people pleasing mm. just because I, I thought I had to, it was expected of me. So expectations yep. is a big thing that I try and break down in my book is who said that? Is right. it your, you know, a parent or a boss or a, a preacher? Oh, Jody, thank you for sharing that. And I so relate to what you were saying, uh, that expectations that has been something I've worked through personally, like, um, I think a slower life is a little bit easier for me than Lauren. It's like throughout our marriage, it was like, man, she's so amazing. Like I'm lazy. I'm, uh, I'm just, there's something wrong with me because I can't keep up with her energy. I can't keep up like, with her productiveness. Um, and then I, ha I had to, I had to get to the point of like, no, I can celebrate that in her and I can celebrate that in me, that we are different. And it was like a pressure I was putting on myself. And there was other pressures put on me through like um, religious worlds of like, you need to do this to be in ministry. And I was like, that's, I don't want to be that, but okay, if I'm supposed to be a, a pastor, I'll be a pastor. I'm not gifted at it. I don't want to do it, but that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. And I went through a couple of years of like pursuing that. I was like, this is not me. Um, and so the, yes, that expectation of whether it's external, internal, just being aware of, of that 
such a huge myth. Um, I, I hear that also throughout with people I work with for the last 10 years of that can bring so much pressure to perform to people please and it drives us towards sickness um, and I'll just throw in you're not the one who developed chronic fatigue I was <laughs> so right. was it the the slower the naturally slower pace that your body took that you stayed within the the boundaries of or was it the person who had no um my gosh I don't even know how to describe what I was um it's just the energizer bunny that I just kept going and going and going and was fueled by that um we talk a lot about the nervous system so I was fueled by that sympathetic energy of my activated nervous system and that was all I knew and I did put that pressure on you. That pressure did come partly from me mm -hmm. uh, as well as the broader culture to, to do more, to produce more. Um, and yet you were not the one whose body said, no, slow down, stop. It was mine. And I find that absolutely not paradoxical. That was like <laughs> completely with reason. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that my body's knows, even though it's caused so much suffering for me. I just did an episode on my brain retraining journey and the path that I've been on uh, recovering from chronic illness for years and years and years. Um, it's just been an insane amount of suffering. And um, I am thankful. It's hard. It's hard. I don't want to like bypass the pain and have this toxic positivity because that's not where I'm at at all but I am thankful for my body the wisdom of my body that told me no when I wasn't hearing no culturally socially um, I wasn't hearing it from any other place and so my body was the only source of truth to to show me the way to slow down and yeah. so I do honor that yeah. and I am thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's good to hold both and. Yeah. Another thought that going back to when you just started begin beginning to talk, you were talking about like, I don't know if it's because I'm part island girl or part American. Um, I just love how our, our stories uniquely invite us into this truth. Like because of your an island girl, you can speak into a culture that is so fast paced. And because you are both and, you can take that beauty of slowing down and invite people into a life that culturally isn't valued or isn't taught and I just it's just so amazing how our stories prepare us for our passions um because you have a unique ability to understand slowing down mm -hmm. and and I just love how our stories do that um mm -hmm. and you can you can bring that experience of another culture into 
American culture because you are a third culture kid and um, yeah. speak that truth. I just, I just, that just stuck out to me. That was a cool part of your story. They Aww. uniquely Thanks. prepared you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, and maybe a lot of us go through this, but I have had different times in my life where I thought, gosh, I just feel different than everybody mm -hmm. but we're all so much more alike than we even Im can imagine true um, even with different life experiences or cultures and so um, you're right our story matters that's and you say that on your podcast and um i you know i talk a little bit about that in mine it's i think that if we um pause to um just to, to find this authentic living that we yes. really want we're, we're gonna find it and it's yeah. gonna look different you know and I think beauty was something that so I've been ever since uh, the pandemic it's like beauty has just been like popping out everywhere mm. I don't know if we're a little more attuned to seeing it now because we had to slow down um I'm not sure what that was like for you in in Thailand but um for me here I, I, so I started talking to different women and they said, you know, I actually don't want to go back to the pace I was living. Like, yeah. is it like, would that, do you, you know, how can I pull this off? You yeah. know, where maybe it wasn't really even working for me in the first place. Mm, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. And, and beauty is one of the other five pillars yeah. that we use for flourish therapy because yeah. beauty just feeds that slowing down pace, that yeah. regulation. Um, it gives us that positive, good brain chemistry that, uh, that, that fights against our natural negative bias that our brain has for survival. And so, but when we can like slow down and see beauty, like you can't see beauty when you don't slow down. Yeah. You just breeze past it and you have these blinders on. Yeah. So slowing down feeds beauty and beauty feeds slowing down because mm -hmm. as you slow down you're like wow that's beautiful and as you say wow that's beautiful i want to see that again and like like you the women are saying like oh, i like this yeah <laughs> so what would you say jody is another barrier to this it sounds so great when we hear it i'll have clients i'll paint this picture sometimes for clients and they're just like their jaws almost open and they're just full of eagerness for this, but there's significant things that keep us from embracing this life. That's why so many of us don't, right? Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some more of those? Yeah. So I, I had this happen to me and more people I talked to have said, yes, this is one reason I don't want to slow down is mm -hmm. uh, it's the fear of missing out. I'm going to miss out on something. Yeah. I can't, I can't afford to do that. Yeah. And the truth is like going back to talking about like beauty, what Luke was just saying is no, there's more of a danger of you're going to miss so much. If you don't slow down, you don't even know what you're, you're missing. It's so mm. amazing. And so when you start slowing down a little bit, you're like, Ooh, I like this. Um, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing more in, in the world and, um, in relationships and 
um, the passions that you have start, they have room to start breathing and, and start saying, hello, yes. <laughs> I've been here, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the myths is that we think um, we're just going to miss out. And then the other myth is, well, for me, I figured out one day, I didn't want to slow down because when you slow down, your mind starts opening and saying, okay, let's talk, let's talk about some things that I was afraid I didn't want the quiet to bring me back to some of the suffering of yes. my husband's accident. And so if I'm busy, I don't have to think about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two things that for me personally, that kept me from slowing down. And the more I talk to people, these things keep coming back up. Yeah. Yep. I see that one a lot as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If I slow down, I'm not going to be able to get back up or the the, the grief, the emotions are just going to overwhelm me. And so yeah. I can't slow down and let that catch up to me. Exactly. Yeah. So as you, I have a, I don't know if this is a myth, it's a partial myth, but it's, it's some reality also. So I wonder what you'd have to say to this. As you were talking, when we slow down, even though we might enjoy it, the people around us don't always <laughs> because we're not as productive. We don't carry as much weight. Um, somebody might have to pick up the slack that as we're putting up boundaries. And so there is like a reality of people get mad at you, people leave you um, when you slow down and say, you know what? I'm not going to perform or people please. And people are like, well, I like that you. I liked all your yeses and all your cooperation. I don't know if I like this new you where it has boundaries and um, so what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> this is this is not a, a question I pre we prepared you for. So yes, but. no, it, it's okay. I, I, I'm thinking to one of my favorite quotes, it's in our living room and it, it just is, I believe it's originated with Sophia Bush, but it says you're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. So remember that when someone put, you know, gives you a little pushback, you can think I'm getting there. I'm not there yet, but they don't really know about my boundaries. They don't know about things I've already committed to in life. Right. Um, they don't know that the pain of not being present it, for me is more than the pain of disappointing that, you know, someone else. Wow. Um, and so if we can think of those things, it's more that they just don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. not trying to be mean or anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. Not necessarily. And it's also in some respects is that relationship might not fit in your new world would would you agree with that oh i i would i yeah. i would definitely agree with that you yeah. know because it might make them a little more uncomfortable sure and then at the same time uh, so i am a high i'm a hsp and i'm mm. also enneagram nine um oh twins so <laughs> i'm introverted enneagram nine hsp so yep <laughs> wow <laughs> Okay. And my highest strength is empathy. And so, mm -hmm. it, you know, that's how I am. That's who, that's who I am. And I didn't know to embrace all these things till, you know, five, 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. once you like going back to identity, once you know who you are, 
you you can love someone for who they are right and then just stay stay in your I don't want to say the word zone but you know stay yeah. where where you have found sanctuary mm-hmm. where reflection has brought you back to who you really are yes. so it is a matter of becoming stronger as an mm-hmm. individual mm-hmm. and saying I I just know what I need it's just like I've started cutting out a lot more sugar because for me, I feel more emotional when I have mm-hmm. sugar, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, I think it's real. It's, yeah. it, you know, I need, and when I eat healthier, um, I'm a, a better, a nicer person to be mm-hmm. around. So mm-hmm. we kind of know these things about ourselves and yep. it, it does mean we have to stand up and put some boundaries up. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that, like you said, that accepting your identity, believing in who you are, um, knowing what you need and valuing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause not everybody <laughs> is working in that healthy space. Mm-hmm. And so realizing that not every expectation somebody puts on you is coming from their health. They might be coming from their dysfunction, but if we are able to stand firmly in our health and boundaries, then we can just like, Hey, I, I hear what you want from me. We don't really match up. So yeah. up to you. Like, go in peace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause I know like in ministry and at work, it's like that performance is so high. And, and that means sometimes like, okay, it's time to move on to those safe people um, yes. and those safe places where you can slow down yeah. and find your island in the city or in the chaos. That means moving maybe to another island. <laughs> yeah, and it can be so simple. So, you know, I, I give the example, we all have our islands in the city. So for mm-hmm. one person, that may be your favorite coffee shop, the little corner booth, you know, that's your, yeah. that's your island in the city. For someone else, it's you know, your deck chair in your backyard for other people, they have to go back 10, 20 years to a a very special place. They visited a a waterfall in another country and our minds can are amazing. That can take us back there really. So totally. We do a lot of visualization with our clients. Well, we don't necessarily do it with them sometimes, but we, we help them foster, um, using their their mind their imagination to visualize and the brain doesn't know any different um if you're there or if you think about being there the brain creates the same uh positive neurochemistry and it's so powerful and it can be very soothing to the to the body and to the mind so i love that you added that in because just because we're not there doesn't mean we can't get the benefits. access the beauty from, from different experiences we've had, different places, totally. Yep. Yeah. I think mm. that's part of bringing this everyday island living into your life. Wow. Is yes. We all have unique stories and experiences. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love too, yeah. Jody, that you, you brought up being a highly sensitive person, uh, being an introvert, being an Enneagram nine, um, if you don't know all of those terms, audience, it's no problem. But just this idea of um, there are certain um, highly sensitive people, there's actually a gene um, 
type they found associated with that, that 20% of the population has. And I just find that fascinating because it's not, it's not just a sensitivity. It's a, it's a biological, um, very, a way of processing the world differently. And it means that the world is experienced differently and therefore it needs to be traveled differently. And I feel like a lot of our clients are probably the ones that um, tend to have a very strong bodily expression. They tend to develop chronic illnesses or pain or um, different things because they, they're living as a highly sensitive person in a world that isn't really made for um, those those beautiful sensitivities and so they go on to have you know constant anxiety or other things and when they understand themselves better um, they can take a different pace and they can be in the world differently and just you giving that invitation of like if you feel like things don't work for you it's not because you're broken you're you're not broken um there just may be you might need something different and I would not be saying just highly sensitive people need to slow down because that's that's definitely not the case um we all do but the deeply empathetic deeply feeling types really need um a different way of navigating life and it's it's available it's possible yeah yeah I think we need it maybe a little more to be our best selves yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i like when you said traveling lauren i, I like yeah. that image i like yeah. that too and i think just being open to um finding out about all these things is so important so you know i, I was having a coffee one day with um kj ramsey Aww. and she just looked at me and she was like can i tell you something about yourself she this is the first day we'd ever met she <laughs> said um yeah she's like you're a highly sensitive person and so because she was willing to go there and i was in a space where you know i wasn't listening to everyone but i was i was listening to some people mm-hmm. i knew i was shifting and and um and so I was able to find an HSP therapist in North Carolina just for myself for two years based on her just wow. saying that and bringing wow. it to my attention. Isn't that amazing? So, so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure that made such a, I'm sure that was such a trajectory shift for you to be able to know something about yourself that's so impactful. Like this isn't just like a minor detail. This is a really significant part of who you are. And now that you know, you're able to love yourself and be, be yourself in such a different way, I'm sure. Yes. I saw myself differently. And then, so I saw the world differently started Mm -hmm. to see others differently and I think it gives us compassion um, for for others and their story their story it all goes back to what's our story right we all have a story we do Mm -hmm. and and compassion for ourselves like yeah it's not there's something wrong with me that I'm I'm affected by the world this way or that I can't handle these things it's like this is who I am and that's okay and um which is just another which is 
we're just going to hit all five pillars, I think, today, because that's another <laughs> pillar for, for thirst therapy. It's compassion. So you are just nailing them. And acceptance. Um, Joey. You, just said, you just said acceptance of who you are. And that's mm, another pillar. That's true. Yeah. It's amazing um, how healing, the fifth one is, they, they over, they, yeah. if you're in this work um, long enough, you just find, wow, there's so much affirm affirmation of these truths yeah. that we discover along the way in different people's yeah. work maybe said a different way or you know presented differently but we like you said we're way more similar than we are different and one of our right. favorite um, attachment therapists she's gone on to pass but she worked with adopted kids for years Karen Purvis she would say about children um, and adults that we're all made of the same thing and we all need the same we all need the same thing. We're all made up of the same thing. Like just bringing it all down to the level playing field of, of our humanity and our needs mm -hmm. as humans and um, totally, totally see the truth there that yes, we need different things, but we also need connection, slowing mm -hmm. down, meaning, mm -hmm. purpose. Like we need to be who we fully are. It's such a deep human need. And we can't do that often because we're so we're living at this this breakneck speed, and mm -hmm. it almost um, I don't want to use too it doesn't erase who we are, but it it like blurs the image. Maybe if you think of someone running really mm -hmm. fast and you can't even see them, it's just so blurry. Maybe mm -hmm. that would work. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think slowing down. You can't accept like if going back to a, what I felt compared to you, Lauren, like I couldn't, I had a hard time slowing down because I couldn't accept that who I was was okay. Right. And so accepting that who I was gave me a, an opportunity and an invitation to slow down. And so um, I think having that insight of like being an Enneagram nine of like, oh, I have like, they have the lowest energy of anybody at all personalities. Oh, there's not something wrong with me. This is just who I am. I just go a little slower and I'm happier with a, with a little less. Um, and so to be able to accept that this is who I am, I don't have to be Lauren, the Enneagram eight, who is high energy and passionate and the go-getter. But if I couldn't accept, if I didn't, wasn't curious about who I was and then accept those things, slowing down just doesn't happen. So I just love that that insight you had, Jody, of that that invitation of, hey, you're HSP, HSP. Um, you were curious, you're compassionate with yourself. You're like, okay, this is, this sits with me. I accept it. So what does that mean about for me? What's best for me? Okay, slowing down. And it just, if we try to be somebody else and you can't accept that that's an okay thing to be, then we're gonna, we're not gonna slow down. We're gonna keep that breakneck speed um, and it's gonna be counterproductive. So I just love what you just said, Jody. And just, yeah, hitting home. Thanks. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. So as we wrap up 
Jody, this has been such a rich conversation. And I just, I just yes. think it was going to be really juicy and lovely. Um, what, is there anything you would like to leave our audience of, of the why, why this is, is worth it for them in their mm -hmm. journey or anything you would like to say? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Um, I think when, when we savor life, and when we, we look for um, acceptance and we give acceptance, um, mm -hmm. it just, I think we don't know what we're missing. That's why I just want to tell people like, slow down because your passions are going to start coming out. You're going to actually see people in front of you. Like mm -hmm. when you slow down, you're going to see, you know, try making eye contact with, with people and, and really listening and your world is going to come alive. So it's not that you're you know, I'm, I'm begging you to slow down. It's more like I'm inviting you to more than you ever knew was possible. Just mm -hmm. a, a richness of life that I, I don't want people to miss. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Thank you I, so much. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you inviting people to like a high definition life, like, oh, yeah. like experiencing life in high and HD of like eye contact connection just the depth of just being present with people and i love yeah. love that invitation that you just shared mm. I, I won't say that it's our fifth pillar of embodiment i won't say that at all <laughs> oh <laughs> this wasn't planned at all but it just <laughs> is how it is um Okay, so we will we will wrap up. You can find Jody at her site, jodygrubs.com, grubs with two Bs, Jody with an I, and also on Instagram. And we will link that in the description if you want to follow her. And so you can um yeah, note be be aware of when her her book comes out, which it sounds like is it like a mix of like um not self-help, but is it, is it memoir slash, is there some story in it too? I'm, I'm hearing that you're doing. Yes. It'll, it'll be, um, about 10% memoir, 10% spiritual formation, lots of slow living, soul care, deep community, some mm. Island stories. Um, mm. yeah, you know, narrative, um, self, self-help. Yeah. 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 Narrative. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a gift to the world. I love that. Thank you for being Absolutely. faithful to do that work. Um, a tedious, so just requires every cell of your person to put into that. And it is such a gift and we're thankful for yeah. it, even before yeah. it arrives. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. Thank you. Sure thank you. Are. I've really enjoyed our conversation and thank you for, for asking me to, to yeah. be part of this and part of what you both are doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's our pleasure. Well, thank you so much, Jody, And thank you for listening to this episode. Go ahead and share it if you feel like this would really resonate with someone. And we will see you on next time for our next episode. Bye.